Money FM 89.3, the best of Saturday mornings. Joining us now uh, for some uh, some personal remembrances and also some broader topics and issues, uh, we have Jerome Lim, who is a heritage author who actually entertained the Queen in his home in Topayo in 1972, and Professor Brian Farrell, who teaches at the History Department at the National University of Singapore. Great to see you both on. Good morning, Brian. Uh, good morning, Jerome. Jerome, let's start with you. You had the closest contact with the Queen uh, when you were just a young lad back in the 70s. Uh, what, what did her passing yesterday mean to you? I think, you know, uh, the passing was quite sudden. And uh, I mean, to me, it was quite sudden because, you know, we had just seen her greet the, uh, inaugurate the new PM in, mm-hmm. in the UK and came as quite a shock because, you know, I woke up yesterday morning and, you know, all the all the news pages were like, right. But I think, you know, because of my interactions with her, I'm kind of saddened because, you know, she's someone that I greatly respected for what she represented. I think she did, a marvelous job, you know. She put duty before herself, and I think her contributions, you know, to to Singapore, to to the world as a whole, uh, I think they they are something to talk about. You know? well, yeah. Well, before we bring in Professor Farrell, Jerome, for the benefit of our listeners who don't know, tell us your tell us the story, the personal connection that you had with her, and the significance it had for Singapore. I, I was seven uh, when she first visited Singapore back in 1972. That's 50 years ago. That's how, how old I am anyway. Uh, yeah, I just gave away my age. You've just given it away. Uh, we all know. <laughs> yeah. uh, so, and I think my family was selected to host her, you know, in the Topayo flat that we lived in. We lived in right on the top floor of this uh, block that was known as the VIP block. Uh, because it was purpose-built to receive foreign dignitaries. So, you know, the HDB could show off, you know, the public housing success uh, story. And um, so we, we were right up there on the top floor and um, family was selected. And so just after 4 p.m. on the 18th of February, 1972, uh, she popped by. So I think it's something that we had been prepped for for the six months in advance. So... We just made sure that, you know, the house was clean. Uh, everything was spick and span. Uh, <laughs> I hope yeah, so. <laughs> and, and I think the, 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 the strange thing for us, you know, because we, we are Asian, we take our shoes off in the house. We had to keep our shoes on. Oh, right. <laughs> we had all our footwear on. We were kind of dressed to, you know, as best as we could. And, and there she came. And I think the impression that I had was, you know, how tall the royal family were, was because, you know, I remember Princess Anne with a hat almost reaching the ceiling. I our homes were back then. And didn't you famously give them seven up? Is that correct? No, it wasn't me. It was another family. Oh, so okay. she visited two families uh, that day. Uh, one in the other block. So mm. I, I was living in block 53. Uh, she also visited a family on the second floor of block 54. Did she say anything to you specifically, like, oh, you're a fine young man or something, you're going to lead the world someday or anything encouraging? I wish she did, <laughs> but I, I, don't remember, I don't remember her actually saying anything to me, but yeah. I mean, she did speak at length with my parents. Right. Yeah. yeah my mom and them. 
beautiful. Well, let's bring in Professor Farrell. Thank you for joining us, Professor Farrell. I know it was quite last minute. Maybe you can just give us a broader picture, a couple of things. First, her impact and legacy on Singapore, and then maybe the region, the Commonwealth, more widely. Well, thank you very much for having me. Very pleased to be here. As far as her legacy in Singapore, again, the key to this is how long she remained on the throne. Hmm. Uh, Clearly, she played a huge role in cementing Singapore's own decision Uh, not to throw all of its traditions or historic inheritances overboard, uh, to remain within the Commonwealth, to be an active and supportive member of the Commonwealth. Uh, Small things like not to change the street signs. Those were all obviously Singapore decisions, but the role that she played in remaining a constant, a continuity in that connection between uh, the UK and Singapore was a positive, uh, always a positive. In the region more widely, I guess when I look at Britain in Asia, the the era of hard power is gone, right? I mean, Britain is not the global empire anymore. It's not the center of the financial world. It's not the strongest military power. But Britain still punches above its weight in terms of soft power in Asia, cultural influence, things like that. And to me, there are three reasons. And one is the English language, which, of course, the empire spread and the wealth consolidated and the Americans really cemented. Two would be the English Premiership, Premiership football, which I think is the biggest global commercial success in sports in in the 21st century. Three would be Elizabeth, the Queen. Mm. I mean, she was possibly the most famous person in the world by the time she passed away. And she set that standard, as Jerome said, she, she set the bar for devotion to duty and for how to behave in public. Indian Prime Minister Nahendra Modi put it very well. You know, she personified how to be gracious and civil in public life. All of those things, I think, had a very positive impact on the picture of Britishness in Asia. Well, even Jerome's, Mm. uh, the visit to Jerome's apartment, if I'm not wrong, Jerome, even that had a political context because I'm aware that Lee Kuan Yew at the time was very keen on the Queen's visit to your apartment, to Singapore generally in 1972, to basically tell Britain and the rest of the world, Singapore is open to business. Would that be fair, Jerome? Yeah, that's fair. And I think, you know, it it was something that I think Singapore was trying to do. We were trying to attract foreign investment at that point in time. Very important to us. So, you know, that that was really a key driver of our economy in the early days of independence. And I I think that that really, you know, had a positive uh, outcome for everyone in Singapore. So, Mm. Jerome, you personally had a role in the future of Singapore's economy. (laughs) 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 Just a little... (laughs) <laughs> and, and and we'll assume that you don't want to take credit for uh, any kind of current inflationary problems. Uh, yes. You, you want to you no, 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 be no. responsible for the good parts. Okay. Uh, we're talking with Jerome Lim, a heritage author, uh, entertained by Queen Elizabeth II in his home in 1972, and Professor Brian Farrell teaching at NUS in the History Department. And Professor Farrell, let's go back to you. Uh, the inevitable ascension of uh, King Charles. Um, what... What do you think, as you look into your crystal ball going forward, uh, what impact will this have on uh, the royal household, the royal family, the view of, of, the, uh, of the, uh, the royal family uh, in the British eyes? There have been any number of scandals we've talked about earlier uh, today uh, over the years with the royal family, or at least eye-raising, uh, eyebrow-raising moments. Um, wh- where do we go from here with the royals? I guess a lot of that depends on the new king. I'm sure that he'll be wise enough not to try to emulate his mother. No one could. I'm sure he knows Mm. that better than anyone else. Mm. I'm sure he'll try to carve out his own path. 
we know two things already from what he's told us, that he has been developing his own ideas on some things that the monarch should do, particularly regarding the family. He wants to reduce the number of people on the civil list, for example, trim the family down. And I think we also know that he, he has promised that he will not wade uh, as forcefully into controversial issues as he did when he was Prince of Wales. He said, I know the difference between being the monarch and being the heir. So Hmm. much of this is going to depend on the tone he sets and also on how long he is on the throne. Um, His son is immensely popular right now. I'm sure there would be no small plurality for saying, turn around and hand it over to your son, which he will not do. So Hmm. there are question marks there. He's also ascending the throne at a very difficult time. Um, I don't mean to sound cynical here. This is the last thing, but I'm stating what I think is a fact. He's got an opportunity here in a time of great turmoil and trouble. All is not well in the realm in the United Kingdom. And he could um, visibly help uh, calm the national nerves, if you will, by behaving in such a way as to present that reassuring image of continuity. Whatever else is going to hell in a handbasket, some things will continue. I will still be here. But he needs to do it his own way. The big challenge for me will be on the British press, which must be the absolute worst in in the open democratic world. Uh, They're like a savage pack of dogs looking after meat. And I I think he needs to try to find a way to get some space from them to allow him to define his Mm. own personal role as Mm. monarch. If he can do that, the path ahead may be positive. Interesting. Uh, Professor Farrell, just briefly, I I believe you're Canadian originally, is that correct? I I am indeed, yeah. So how do you view the monarchy moving forward in other countries like Canada and Australia and so on? What do you see happening now? Because generally speaking, I think it's fair to say internationally, the Queen herself was arguably more Mm -hmm. popular than the royal family generally. Without question. And and then the institution. And after all, I mean, she understood this. She poured her heart and soul into the Commonwealth, probably kept it alive. And only 15 or 16 of the 50 odd members now are monarchies. And Canada is one of them. Um, I think I can summarize what appears to be Canadian public opinion by comparing it to Australian. The Australians have been ahead of us in talking about a republic. We haven't done so much. But whenever that issue has arisen in Canada in recent years, the majority response runs something like this. Maybe down the road we should have that conversation, but not while the Queen is alive. There was just Hmm. far too much respect for her. Hmm. No one would even consider opening the issue. But now that she has gone, after a decent interval, I wouldn't be at all surprised if down the road in the next few years this becomes a live issue in Canadian politics. I'm 62. I'll give my age away. Uh, If I'm around for another couple of dozen years, I'd be mildly surprised if Canada is still a constitutional monarchy when my life is coming to an end. I think it will unfold as we go along. Interesting. Even if Charles is fairly popular. Fascinating. Well, let's give the final word to you, Jerome. Going back to when you were a seven-year-old boy, what is your favorite memory of that day? What is the takeaway that still stays with you to this day? Uh... Yeah, I think I think it was the fact that I I tried not, uh, to keep my hands unwashed because the neighbor had told me, you know, don't wash your hands after you shake hands with me because you know, you walk around the way. So as I could, you know, to take her advice. How, how long did those hands stay unwashed? Having dinner without washing your hands. How long did you last, Jerome? How long did you not wash just your a, hands? Just a couple of hours. <laughs> <laughs> 
That's a, I love that. We're going to end on that because that is just a fun, uh, such an honest moment. Uh, Jerome Lim and Professor Brian Farrell, thanks so much for being with us today. To Thank help, you very uh, much. Yeah, appreciate it. Thank Have you. a good day. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg or download our audio app. That's A-W-E-D-I-O. Available on Google Play or the App Store.